It is Thursday, December 9th here at Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 14 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaaf. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And, Jared, this could be a tough week for fantasy points, judging by some of the numbers that we're looking at this week. I mean, we know it's Jonathan Taylor's bye, and that's going to be rough on anybody who has Jonathan Taylor on their teams, either in the playoffs or hoping to get into the fantasy playoffs. But it's otherwise not really a hugely impactful set of bye teams, it seems like to me. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's some COVID questions, unfortunately, that we'll, we'll get to. Um, but I, I think the biggest question of the week is probably in this Thursday night game with Dalvin cook. Yeah. And we'll get to that in a minute, but I mean, on the, for the entire week, I was looking at the numbers this morning and nine of the 14 games carry over unders of less than 44 points right now. So lots of games where we might not get a ton of fantasy points or real life points scored seven teams carry implied projected point totals of less than 20 and other three are below 21. So, I mean, we're going to go through each of these games one at a time, but it'll be worth looking at these offenses to see who can really give us some upside this week. Yeah, I guess the bar to start a player might be lower this week. There's just, there's, there's some bad offenses in the NFL. We've known that all season. And I don't know if weather's impacting the over-unders yet either, but you know, we, we saw on Monday night, um, you know, we're to the point of the season where, where weather is definitely worth checking on Sunday morning. Yeah, what a trash game that ended up being just from, I don't know, a viewership standpoint. So uh, we'll move on to the games now, though. We're going to start with that Thursday night contest. Pittsburgh at Minnesota. Vikings by three here. It's an over-under of 43.5. So starting off with one that's not projected for a whole lot of points. But the big news is that even though we thought Dalvin Cook was going to miss at least two games, it sure sounds like he's going to play in this game tonight against Pittsburgh. He's just two weeks removed, actually less than two weeks because it's a Thursday night from dislocating his shoulder, tearing the labrum in there says that he's going to play, going to play in a shoulder harness. Tom Pelissero reporting that they are likely to play him barring some kind of setback in the pregame warmup. So now we have to wonder what to do with the two Vikings running backs for this game. Yeah. So we'll watch for pregame reports on the plan for Dalvin cook, you know, how he's looking in pregame warmups. Hopefully we learn, more than we know right now. Um, yeah, but like you said, though, you know, 11 days removed from from the shoulder injury. It, it sounds like what, I'm, what I've gathered from, like, the Twitter doc so far, it sounds like, you know, one hit to that shoulder could end his night. Um, the other thing, you mentioned the harness. I, that, that's going to impact his pass-catching ability. So, you know, we, we, we did, you know, we, we added Cook to the rankings this morning. He wasn't even in there originally. Um, you know, his pass-catching projection is definitely lower than it would be normally. His rushing projection is lower than it would be normally. You know, I think there's a chance – He's limited to begin with. There's a chance he's knocked out of this game early. Um, so, again, hopefully we learn more before kickoff tonight. Um, but you can check the rankings now to kind of you know, see the level at which we'd start Delvin Cook. Yeah, but and the tough thing about that is we're all guessing. Even people mm-hmm. who have medical degrees are guessing at just how Dalvin Cook's shoulder is going to feel, uh, what kind of hits he might take. I mean, he might make it through the game fine. He might just land on it wrong one time in the first quarter and be done for the night. So we're guessing about him. We're guessing about Alexander Madison. We're This is one to really track the reports right up until game time. And there's probably going to be reports on expected usage as much as we can get right up until game time. So it's one to f- for sure keep an eye on. Like Jared said, you can check the rankings to see where we have them. The guys around Dalvin Cook that you're going to have to decide – between heading into the game, according to our rankings right now, Zeke Elliott, James Robinson, Devontae Freeman, 
Daryl Henderson, Jared, among those four guys, who do you think you would go ahead and start Dalvin cook over assuming that we get no big reports to the negative side on cook before this game tonight? Yeah, this is so tough too, right. With it being a Thursday game, because like guys like Daryl Henderson, um, Zeke Elliott, with the Tony Pollard situation, like we don't even know what their you know, projected roles are going to be in their games. Um, so I mean, I, I I might lean towards starting Cook over Daryl Henderson right now if you don't have Sony Michelle. Um, I'd probably start Cook over James Robinson too. Um, you know, Robinson beat up. We'll get into him, but you know he he's been limited the past few weeks now. Was very limited in that last game. Um, so yeah, I, I might yeah I might start Cook over a couple guys that we have ahead of him in the projections right now. I think I would start him over. Daryl Henderson, because I don't know what his practice participation is going to be yet. We're, you know, recording this in midday Thursday. We don't even have the yep. first practice report of the week from the Rams. So I like cook like is a strong word. I would play cook over Henderson tonight. As of right now, I think I would lean James Robinson though. Cause it seems like last week's thing was more to do with the fumble than the injury. Um, and then, you know, Zeke, we're kind of waiting to see what happens with the Cowboys. I, I guess I would wait and see what Tony Pollard sounds like coming out of Thursday's practice before making the Thursday night decision there. Yeah. I mean, we'll, you know, we'll at least get practice reports for these guys on Thursday, including the first report from the Rams because Henderson does not play until Monday night. So we'll, we'll know more, you know, before kickoff tonight. So, you know, keep, keep tracking shark bites and we'll, we'll keep the rankings updated. And of course, so what about Alexander Madison? I mean, assuming that we get Dalvin Cook in this game, assuming that we get yeah. no clear reports on how they're going to be used, how high are you starting Alexander Madison? He's 30th in our PPR rankings right now. So, you know, de- definitely higher than he would be if Cook was healthy. Um, you know, he was he was RB2, I believe, you know, when we thought Cook was going to be out. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the level I think Madison is in RB3 if you don't have – you know, a solid second running back or a solid flex play. I think Madison's worth taking a risk on. I mean, again, there's a chance that he he's game planned a bigger role to begin with, and there's a chance Cook leaves with injury, and then you know you get you get Madison in a workhorse role for the rest of the game. Yeah, I think you have to weigh Madison as a ceiling play as opposed to just figuring out what he's going to get if Dalvin Cook is playing. So it really depends on specifically who you're comparing him with. I'm not sure that I would play Madison over either of the Cardinals running backs for this week. Cause it sounds like chase Edmonds is going to play, but I, I mean, I'm playing him mm-hmm. over anybody from the Buffalo backfield. For example, um, I would prop, it would be a difficult decision versus Henderson because we just don't know at this point. I think I would probably have to wait for Henderson if I've got Madison, although, you know, kind of depends on what else you have available for insurance options there. If you're making a decision like that, I think I'd play Freeman over Madison and we're talking well ahead of where they are in the rankings right now. But, you know, beyond that, Alexander Madison versus Jamal Williams, I think would be a difficult decision. Yeah. Jamal Williams, Melvin Gordon and Daryl Williams are the three guys right ahead of Madison right now. You know, Madison clearly has the highest upside of of that trio, but you know, again, if there's also, if cook, manages to make it through the game healthy. I mean, there's a chance you only get five touches out of Madison tonight. Yeah. Tough spot. Uh, I don't envy anybody making the decision, but you know, (laughs) check shark bites, check the rankings. Of course, it's not the only question for the Vikings offense tonight either. Um, No Adam Thielen for this game. That's not a question. He's already ruled out, got a foot injury left last week early. Kirk Cousins still wound up throwing 30 for 40 in that game, 340 yards, two touchdowns. It was the Lions, so, you know, you always have to put an asterisk on those matchups. 14 targets for Justin Jefferson, nine for Tyler Conklin, seven for K.J. Osborne. Those will be the primary receivers for Kirk Cousins again here. So the question, I think, is 
what do you do? How do you value Kirk Cousins for this game? And, you know, specifically when you're weighing him versus potential decision players who mm-hmm. are going to play later this week. I mean, there's no doubt losing Adam Thielen hurts Kirk Cousins. I mean, Thielen has 40% of the Vikings receiving touchdowns. He has 31% of their targets inside the 10 yard line. Now he he's Cousins go-to guy near the end zone. Um, and KJ Osborne's a nice player who's going to replace Thielen, but I mean, it's, it's a definite downgrade. So it hurts. I, you know, I think Cousins is, three or four spots lower in our rankings than he would be if he had Adam Thielen. Um, but the matchup's okay. You know, we've talked about Pittsburgh's defense is, is, you know, not not what it used to be. They're still without Joe Hayden tonight. Justin Jefferson could go for 180 yards by himself. Um, so I, I think Cousins is still in play as a quarterback one. But, again, you know, he's, he's definitely lower than he would be if he had his, his top three receivers healthy. Yeah, I'm with knocking him a couple spots down. I do think that he's a little bit lower in our rankings than I would personally have him. Uh, I think the first decision that you face – is you could have Justin Herbert and Kirk Cousins on the same roster. And in that case, I got to go ahead and play Kirk Cousins, not knowing, you know, we'll get to the Chargers situation, but right now not knowing about Justin Herbert's top two receivers, he's got a tougher matchup than Kirk Cousins does. And Cousins has been, uh, he played well the last time that we saw him go without Adam Thielen for a stretch. That was back in 2019. So, you know, things are a bit different at this point, but similarly, there is a very strong wide receiver one still in the lineup. There's still decent tight end. Um, KJ Osborne looked fine this year and Kirk Cousins has just been a solid player. So in 2019, we had Adam Thielen basically out from week eight through week 15. And over that span, Kirk Cousins completed 71% of his passes, 7.9 yards per attempt, 5.4% touchdown rate, 108.3 passer rating. So, you know, it certainly lowers the ceiling. There's a little bit more risk to him. But I like Kirk Cousins fine tonight against the Steelers defense that's ranked 25th in DVOA against the pass. Yeah, 20th in adjusted points, a lot of quarterbacks. Teams also lean pass against Pittsburgh. They're eighth in situation neutral pass rate against. Um, I mean, we know Minnesota tends to be a run-leaning team, but, you know, maybe with the Dalvin Cook issue, they they lean a bit more pass, and the matchup will kind of dictate that too. So, uh, yeah, again, you know, Cousins is definitely not a a must-bench guy just because he doesn't have Adam Thielen. I do think he's still in play tonight. Mm-hmm. Steelers also without top corner Joe Hayden once again. He's basically been the only Pittsburgh corner that's played and he played good at all this year. So um, a ding for that defense on the Steelers side. Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson are obvious plays. Chase Claypool, I don't think quite reaches obvious. He did miss the first practice this week with the toe issue, but returned for full workouts the next two days. So it doesn't look like there's a real injury issue to consider here. He's in mid wide receiver three territory in our rankings. I'm trying to figure out what's up with. Claypool's toe because he 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 did not play his usual snap rate last week just 63% of the snap 68% of the pass plays um Ray 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 McLeod actually finished with a few more snaps and a few more pass routes than Trace Claypool I don't I'm assuming it was because of the toe he was on the injury report last week but not listed on the final you know it was questionable or whatever same case this week he's on there with the toe but he's not listed as questionable um so that that's kind of the risk with Claypool, um, but, you know, it's a, a pretty good matchup tonight. Um, very good matchup, actually, for the wide receivers. Minnesota's dead last in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. I, I think Claypool is kind of a, a risk-reward play. Um, better Roethlisberger is coming off what, you know, was, I, I think, one of his better games of the season. Um, he had his second-highest PFF passing grade of the season. If you, if you watch the game, too, in the fourth quarter, they went, went with a lot of no-huddle stuff, a lot of shotgun stuff. Um, and you know, that kind of sparked the passing game. So I'll be curious to see if they stick with that at all tonight. 
I would not be at all surprised if this game goes well over the 43 and a half points because both of these offenses are capable. Neither one's explosive, especially at Pittsburgh, but there's not a whole lot of pass rush on the Minnesota side to really challenge Ben Roethlisberger. He's been throwing quickly lately to try to help that pass protection. Uh, You know, there's plenty of talent left, even with the injuries. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get more points than expected here. Minnesota's D is healthier this week, though. They're getting Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr back and Patrick Peterson's off the COVID list. So, you know, it's not the not the um, injury-stricken defense that the Lions, you know, lit up last week. It's going to be better tonight. That is true. Pat Fryermuth has a more <laughs> negative matchup as a result with both Kendricks. Uh, with Kendricks back, with the secondary healthier, the Vikings have been a negative matchup for tight ends in coverage. Uh, Pat Fryermuth's just been a TD or bust type. Four targets in each of the past two weeks under 45 receiving yards in six straight games. So, I mean, he's a, an option, but not somebody that I'm getting excited about this week. Yeah. He's in the low end tight end one area of our rankings. Um, you know, he, he's still fifth in expected fantasy points among tight ends over the past five weeks. And he's, you know, he's been good more often than not in games that Eric Ebron has missed. Um, and Ebron of course out again tonight. So um, yeah, the, the matchup's not good for Fry but I do think he's still a decent, a decent play. Yeah, it's, he's probably high in expected fantasy points because there are like five tight ends that we can count on getting targets week to week from. Exactly. I, I think I would play Tyler Conklin over um, Fryermuth here because I think the target ceiling is higher and there's a little bit better bet for yardage on those catches, but very similar, I think. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, I do think Conklin's a slightly better bet for targets. And his matchup is a bit better too. You know, Steelers kind of middle of the pack and tight end defense. Anything else for that game? Nope. All right, let's get to Sunday now. And Baltimore at Cleveland is the first one up. It is Browns by two and a half over under is 42 and a half for this one. So another one where we're not expecting a whole lot of points. And that's what we got in the first Cleveland Baltimore matchup a couple weeks ago. This is tied for the third lowest over under the week. Just one point behind Seattle and Houston, though, half a point behind Detroit and Denver. So very close to the bottom there. Lamar Jackson's not playing well lately. He's still sixth among quarterbacks in fantasy points per game over the past five weeks, though. Yeah, and he's finished um, as a top 12 quarterback in three of his last four games. Quarterback one, quarterback 10, quarterback 11. The one game he didn't was against the Browns. He finished quarterback 19 that week. You know, that, that was an ugly game two weeks ago. Not much offense on either side. I think Lamar had, what, four interceptions in that game. Um, he did finish quarterback one and quarterback uh, four in the two meetings against Cleveland last year. And Cleveland's 21st in pass defense DVOA. They're 21st in adjusted points allowed to quarterback. So, you know, Lamar definitely sits lower in our rankings than he usually would, you know, if he was playing well, um, you know, he, he is still inside our top 10 and he's, you know, not a guy I'd be, you know, looking to bench for someone off the waiver wire. Yeah. It's frustrating, but yeah, I'm, I'm not going to reach for somebody who's freely available like Taylor Heineke to play over him. So right. uh, it's bothersome, but not necessarily worrisome there. And the reason, part of the reason he's still up there in fantasy points per game is because that stretch that past five games still includes the huge game against Minnesota, three touchdown passes, 120 yards rushing. And that's the kind of thing that he's capable of. So even though we're not getting close to that most weeks right now, that's the scary part of sitting Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. He runs for 120 yards and a touchdown in a game. And all of a sudden he's having a Taysom Hill type night. He hasn't, he hasn't ran for a touchdown since like week two or three, you know, he's, he's definitely due for some positive rushing touchdown regression. I, I think he's going to, he's going to score a few times the rest of the way on the ground. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, all fairly obvious starts here. Rashad Bateman has gotten into obvious not start at this point. I know I dropped him for a backup kicker in the FFPC main event 
this past mm-hmm. week just to get set for the championship round there. I think the other kind of decision guy among Ravens is Devontae Freeman, who is working off of three straight games now, 14 plus carries. Yeah, I think Freeman, you know, not a must start, but a pretty comfortable RB2 play. Um, you know, it, it, two weeks ago, it looked like Latavius Murray was sort of turning it back into a 50 50 committee. Um, but Freeman was well ahead of Murray in snaps and pass routes. He out carried him 14 to 2 last week. Uh, Freeman had eight targets last week. You know, he, he's been a top 34 running back in four straight games now that includes two top 10 finishes he's 16th in expected fantasy points per game over the last four so you know, he's, he's getting rb2 level usage uh cleveland's run d is solid but you know, it's not one to, to run away from so I, I do think freeman's like a lower end rb2 this week run away from i got you um and i think it could help his uh target outlook this week that if you look back on that first meeting between baltimore and cleveland there was a ton of pressure on lamar jackson and he has been getting pressured quite a bit lately so that can only help i think the target outlook the chances of Devontae freeman being a key receiving option in this game and he has five plus catches in two of the past three games so yeah Devontae freeman you know not somebody to get excited about but a pretty solid low-end RB2 and somebody I'd easily play ahead of like Jamal Williams this week. Yeah, 19 targets for Freeman over the past four games. Kind of kind of crazy because Baltimore doesn't usually target their backs like that. Yeah, a bunch of them in that game where Tyler Huntley was in there for Lamar Jackson, but had eight of them last week with Jackson around. So it's not just the Huntley <laughs> thing. Um, elsewhere, I, there's nothing else that I like on that Ravens defense, or offense worth talking about. What do you think? No, you said it with Bateman. Um, he was fourth among... Ravens wide receivers and pass routes last week, Devin Duvernay and Sammy Watkins ran more pass routes. I'm not sure what's going on there. Like I thought Bateman had been playing well, um, but his usage has been trending down for a couple of weeks now. So he, he's not uh, bankable in fantasy lineups right now. Yeah. I, it'll still be interesting for next year and beyond, but I think he's yes. not somebody that you need to hold for redraft currently on the Brown side. Jarvis Landry did not practice Wednesday <laughs> dealing with a knee issue knee issue. I think it's really more of a management thing though. I doubt that he is yeah. uh, shaky to play this week. Yeah, he's been sitting out practices on Wednesday for a while now. Um, it'd be nice to see him healthier coming off the bye week, but that's you know evidently not the case. This is a good spot for him, though. Um, you know, Baltimore, we talked about them. They're a, they're a pass funnel defense, much tougher against the run than the pass. They're without uh, Marlon Humphrey now for the rest of the season, so the secondary is even weaker. Um, and Jarvis Landry has you know, has done well against Baltimore. He had six catches for 111 yards in that uh, game against them two weeks ago. He had six and five catches in their two meetings last year. Um, So, you know, tough to get excited about the upside of anyone on this Browns passing game. But I do think Landry's a pretty, you know, safe wide receiver three option this week. Yeah, mid wide receiver three territory. I think he's he's fine in there. Did have three straight games of 26 yards or less before that big game against the Ravens. So certainly far from a safe option. And I mean, the Browns said this week that they believe Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are ready for more work. So they'll be keeping it on the ground as much as they can. But when they throw it, it's they're not going to look too many other directions away from Jarvis Landry. Maybe, though, we could get some more looks for Austin Hooper in this game. Just three targets, zero catches in the first meeting with Baltimore. But this time, David Njoku's on the COVID list. I don't know if that keeps him from playing in this game or if he has a chance to return. He said he has no symptoms, so maybe there's a chance he gets back for the game. Harrison Bryant has an ankle injury, so it might just be Austin Hooper is the only tight end in this game. Right, and tight ends have remained a big part of this Browns passing game. 29% of Browns targets have gone to tight ends. It's 88 targets per game. I don't think you project Hooper to, to soak up all of that. 
Um, you know, with with the shape the wide receiver core is in right now, um, you know, Hooper could definitely you know be the number two option in this passing game. So I, I do think it, you know, at least for this week, and, and the matchup's good too. You know, Baltimore has been weak against tight ends all season. Um, so I, I think Hooper's a you know viable spot starter this week. Yeah, I think you're looking in that tight end one to tight end two fringe. Um, Austin Hooper versus guys like Pat Fryermuth, Cole Komet. I, I would take a shot, I believe, on Austin Hooper over Cole Komet, who, who I'm not even sure he knows where the end zone is. Uh, Hooper versus Fryermuth, I think, would be more of a coin flip, though. Yeah, I'd play Hooper over Komet, but I would play uh, both the tight ends in tonight's game over Austin Hooper. Mm. Anything else from that game? Um, no. Uh, Kareem Hunt's off the injury report this week. So he was kind of limited in his, his first game back prior to the bye, but I think he's going to be back to his usual role. And you know, that's, that's a concern for Nick Chubb, especially in a game, you know, where the Browns could fall behind. It is, but I don't think, I don't know if these Ravens are capable of making the Browns fall behind. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't personally worry about that too much as I'm setting my lineup and deciding on these running backs. No, you're definitely starting Chubb in season long as it's more of a DFS thing. Dallas at Washington Cowboys by four over under 48. And on the Dallas side, you know, he kind of alluded to it with the Alexander Madison decision, but Tony Pollard, no practice Wednesday because of a foot injury. So we're kind of waiting to see uh, what happens with him on Thursday and beyond. Of course, Zeke Elliott practiced in full because he's determined to show everybody that his knee is absolutely fine. He's like the knight in uh, Monty Python where you cut off one of his legs and he's still coming at you and you cut off both his arms and he's headbutting you. But Zeke's going to play no matter how slow he does it. Well, and, and Zeke did say on Wednesday, he said he expects his knee to be like, back to hundred percent in three to four weeks. Um, so that that's, you know, kind of like NFL playoff time. So it's not going to help fantasy owners. Um, he's going to, you know, keep lumbering around out there. T- Tony Pollard, you know, did not practice Wednesday with a foot strain that the foot strain happened on that long touchdown run against the saints. Uh, Mike McCarthy said today, he said something, his quote was like Pollard's rehab is intended to have him ready to play versus Washington on Sunday. So like Dallas is hoping he's out there, but it's definitely not a lock. Um, they signed Edo Smith to the, to the practice squad on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. So I think there's, you know, some concern Pollard's not going to be out there. Um, I don't know if that means Zeke would like be back in a, a full workload if there's no Pollard or if they would mix in Edo Smith or Corey Clements on the roster too. Um, so it's definitely a wait and see situation with this backfield. Yeah. I, I guess I would probably have to go ahead and play Madison over Tony Pollard if I'm deciding between yeah. those two guys. Cause I mean, even assuming that they're both active, we're talking about two number two running backs where we're totally mm-hmm. guessing on what the workload's going to be. Yeah, if those are only two options, I'd go ahead and play Madison tonight. If you have like a decent fallback option, if you don't play Madison and Pollard to South, then I might look that way. But um, yeah, it, it seems like there's a real chance that Pollard does not play on Sunday. Mm-hmm. We could all use a bounce back game from Dak Prescott this week. And the Washington defense has played better than it did to begin the season, but still not tough in pass defense. Dak's got his wide receiver core should be all the way back this week. It was, you know, kind of last week, but Amari Cooper was just coming off of COVID symptoms to the point where we didn't even know if he was going to play. So I think they should be healthier this week. I would think that we should get some real upside in this game from the Dallas passing game. Yeah, this is a really nice spot for Dak Prescott. He's someone I'm going to be considering in, in DFS. I think he's a pretty easy start in season long. Um, I believe this is only the second game where we're going to have, you know, all three of these wide receivers like fully healthy throughout. And the other one I think was the Atlanta game where Dallas just blew them out and they didn't really do anything in the second half. So you have that going for Dak Prescott. You have this Washington defense. Yet they've been, they've been a bit better against the pass lately. They're still much better against the run than the pass. And teams are attacking them through the air. Washington is second in situation neutral pass rate against. So teams are going super pass heavy against Washington. We've seen Dallas be willing to go pass heavy in spots, run heavy in spots. 
So the matchup here would dictate a pass heavy game plan. So that, that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm banking on. But Dak Prescott, um, I, yeah, I, I think he's a top five uh, quarterback play this week. And you would think since they've shown us that willingness, since they obviously believe in Dak Prescott and the wide receivers and both of their running backs are hurt, you would think everything would point to them throwing the ball plenty in this game and trying to exploit that area. I hope so for my main event team, because I I would like some big points from Dak. Let's do it. Of course, all the healthy wide receivers complicates the target outlook a bit for Dalton Schultz, but... I still feel better betting on him over guys like Tyler Conklin, Pat Fryermuth, Cole Komet, Austin Hooper, because of the strength of that offense that is second in scoring and first in total yards. Yeah, me too. I would start shots over those types. Um, yeah, like you said, I mean, again, we haven't really seen this offense at full strength too much. Um, I do think Schultz's target share is going to take a hit. Um, but again, if, if, if we get a pass-heavy game plan for Dallas, um, you know, there could be enough to go around for all these guys. Yeah, I would also play Dalton Schultz over Kyle Pitts, and we'll kind of get to his game in a little bit. But the big knock on Kyle Pitts at this point, he's got three top 12 finishes all season. He's been disappointing. Uh, On the Washington side, Logan Thomas, no ACL tear, but he is out for the rest of the season. Ricky Seals-Jones was limited Wednesday, so might be ready to return from a hip injury that's cost him multiple games. And, you know, we talked about it off, you know, off air previously, but I feel like I thought – Ricky Seals Jones was doing better the last time that Logan Thomas was out than he really was. He had four full starts, averaged six and a half targets, 4.3 catches, 40 and a half yards. But I mean, now that I look at those numbers, tight end is just so rough that numbers like that look attractive Mm -hmm. as averages. Yeah. Low end, low upside tight end one, Ricky Seals Jones. The issue this week, I mean, first we'll have to see if he's even going to play. And then we'll, we'll have to see if they want to keep, John Bates involved. Um, you know, not that he he's been great, but you know he's he's a rookie they just drafted. Uh, maybe they want to keep him involved. Now, you know, every week so far this season, it's been you know one tight end as the guy, you know, playing almost 100 of the snaps. Um, but I, I guess I'm not even sure who that would be if Seals Jones returns this week. So it would definitely you know try try to avoid these guys, and and we can revisit it next week when we have a better idea of what the usage is going to be the rest of the season. Yes, I agree with that. And I mean, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin are the obvious guys on this offense. The uh, the yep. one other that's maybe non-obvious but carries some upside is J.D. McKissick. The Cowboys, I mentioned second in the league in scoring, first in yards, also second in situation neutral play pace. So this is really a spot where you could see Dallas jumping out to a lead. And if mm-hmm. that happens, I think the outlook gets better for McKissick. Even if it doesn't happen, though, he should be decently involved. The last time that we saw McKissick play – He had five catches, seven carries, two touchdowns, uh, one of those being a red zone run in that game against Seattle that Washington won. Yeah, this game has shootout potential. Um, Washington is a fast-paced offense as well. This is the fastest-paced game of the week in terms of uh, situation neutral pace for both teams. Um, We'll have to see if McKissick gets cleared. He was limited in Wednesday's practice with the concussion. Um, Antonio Gibson's role in the passing game has been increasing too. You know, he had seven targets in that game two weeks ago, even you know, when McKissick scored twice. So McKissick maybe loses some targets for from Gip, uh, to Gibson the rest of the way. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's in play as a low-end PPR option, but always tough for me to get excited about um, those type of guys where you just can't project a ton on the ground. I mean, if you're getting excited about J.D. McKissick, then you're probably doing it wrong. But if you're like, I need a running back and J.D. McKissick's down there, it's like, all right, I think maybe I'll be OK this week. Yep. The Las Vegas Raiders at the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs by eight and a half in this game, over under 48. And Doug Farrar tweeted this yesterday, Jared. Chiefs 
ranked 27th in defensive DVOA through week nine. Since week 10, they rank second in the league in defensive DVOA behind only the Patriots. They are up from 27th to fifth against the pass. They are up from 30th to seventh against the run. And all that is including what Javante Williams did to them on Sunday night. So (laughs) this defense that started the season looking like one to target with whatever you had is suddenly one to try to avoid. If you can, if you're making decisions, I was just about to say, I don't know if I'd go as far to say is it's one to avoid. I think it's at least one not to attack. I I don't know. Casey's last five games have come against Daniel Jones and the giants, uh, the Packers with Jordan love Derek Carr, uh, who actually finished quarterback eight against the, the Chiefs that week. Um, Dak Prescott, who they did, you know, they shut down the Cowboys offense and then and then Teddy Bridgewater in the Broncos last week. So so we'll see. I mean, again, Carr, Carr had a nice game against the Chiefs last time around from a box score perspective. I didn't think he played that well. He also had Darren Waller in that game and Waller remained sidelined for Wednesday's practice. So at this point, I'm not expecting him to play on Sunday. And if, if that's the case, then you know, I, I would not want to use Derek Carr as a quarterback one. Yeah, I agree with Derek Carr making it back to the QB1 fringe if Darren Waller's available. And, you know, if he's like really available, not if he's like, well, it's game time, game day decision. We'll see how he is. So it's a spot. I agree. It's not somewhere where I'm going to be scared to play players who I would normally feel comfortable about. But if it's close, the Chiefs are not a matchup to target right now. Hunter Renfro has become an obvious play. Hunter Renfro right now is what Jarvis Landry used to be. (laughs) Yeah, did, and did Jarvis Landry even ever have two straight 100-yard games? Because that's what Renfro has done not sure. the past two weeks now. Yeah, he's Renfro's been a top 14 wide receiver in, in half PPR in four of his last five games. Now. He's been even better in PPR. That includes a, a wide receiver 10 finish against the Chiefs a few weeks ago. He had seven catches for 46 yards and a score in that game. And again, that came alongside Darren Waller. And if Waller remains out, uh, that should just mean more volume coming Renfro's way. And of course, we saw last week that just because Darren Waller is out does not mean that Foster Moreau is a lock as a starting tight end. Yeah, that was disappointing. And it wasn't just, you know, the fantasy production that was disappointing. The usage was disappointing as well. He had just three targets. Moreau did. It was an 8% target share. And he ran a pass route on just 64% of the pass plays. That That's a bigger concern for me. So, you know, Waller is outside our top 12 tight ends this week. Um, the, the matchup is good against the Chiefs. You know, they've remained pretty weak in tight end coverage. So DFS, I think. Uh, Moreau is still an interesting guy, but I would try to look elsewhere for a season long. Yeah. And he's certainly still an upside guy. If you were looking for players in the range of Cole Komet and Austin Hooper, but yes. uh, not, not as exciting an option as he might've seemed this time last week, Josh Jacobs remains a solid option here. He put in a full practice Wednesday, which is notable because last week he had the ankle issue pop up during the week. He was questionable for the game. So it sounds like he's good to go. And Kenny Drake's done for the year. So that can only help Josh Jacobs usage. I would imagine. Yeah, I think Jacobs is like a borderline RB1 at this point with the usage he, he's been getting, and especially with Kenny and Drake out now. Um, you know, Jacobs had already been seeing nice volume in the passing game. He's been getting the majority of the Raiders' carries. We'll have to see if Jalen Richard makes it back this week from the COVID list. There's a chance that he steals some of the, the passing game work. But again, you know, Jacobs, Jacobs has been getting it. Um, we know he he can do that. Um, so I, I I think just volume-wise, you know, he, he's, a, he's a top 15 running back play this week. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else from that game? Uh, we didn't talk about the Chiefs, but I don't think there's not much to talk about, right? I mean, you're you're starting the usuals. Th- this Raiders game was the one game in the last like six or seven weeks that the Chiefs' offenses looked good. You know, Mahomes had the five touchdowns. Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey both went off. Um, in, in the in the backfield, 
Clyde Edwards-Alaire has returned for the past two games. He's still losing most of the pass passing down work to Darrell Williams, which which hurts a bit. Um, but Ceh is 18th among running backs in expected fantasy points over the past two games. So you know he he's getting mid range RB2 usage. I, I kind of think that's what we should consider him the rest of the way. And it can only help that he's further removed from the injury now. And the Raiders, who are already soft on defense, their top two linebackers are dealing with injuries this week, both Denzel Perriman and Corey Littleton. So we'll watch and see if they're available. Um, one of their backups is already done for the season, Nick Kwiatkowski. So uh, a soft defense anyway already looks more favorable as a matchup for those running backs. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good spot for both of them. Um, and also in the secondary, Trayvon Mullen was designated to return from IR with their cor- uh, starting cornerback for the Raiders, but he's not joining the active roster this week. So not getting any reinforcements there. So it remains a positive matchup. I, I kind of don't want to talk about the Chiefs offense because it's like it makes you sad to look at what Patrick Mahomes yeah. is doing right now. But, you know, it's similar to Lamar Jackson where you're still going to go ahead and use him. Yeah, and again, this is no, this is the matchup. I'm I'm going to be all in on the Chiefs and DFS this week, kind of hoping people are off them because they've been just so disappointing. But um, you know, the the the, co- the coverages the Raiders use, they don't use that cover two stuff that's been giving Mahomes trouble. And you think they'd be smart enough to to switch to that for this matchup, but they did not in the first meeting, and we saw what Mahomes did. Seattle at Houston Seahawks by seven and a half over under 41 and a half. So get ready, folks. This is going to be a barn burner. It's the lowest over under the week by a slim margin, but still the lowest on the Seattle side. We got no practice for DK Metcalf on Wednesday with a foot injury. Last week, he went limited, full limited week 12. He went out full limited week 11 out full limited. So it's tough to know whether the foot is actually bothering him more or if it's just you know, a management schedule for an injury that he's been playing through. Yeah. Maybe it depends on how hard a specific day of practice is going to be for the team. So I think at the least here, we know that DK Metcalf is managing a foot issue. And I guess we kind of have to factor that in to for some downside risk. Yeah, and, you know, Metcalf, of course, has just been disappointing for a while now. And I got to think the foot has something to do with that. I think Russell Wilson struggles and the Seahawks offense just being crappy in general has something to do with it too. Um, you know, Metcalf is, he's 24th among receivers and expected fantasy points over the last four weeks. So he's not getting elite usage, but it's been fine. Um, and man, you know, this matchup against Houston should get the Seahawks offense going a bit. So Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, I would, you know, stick with them in fantasy lineups this week. I think Russell Wilson is kind of the, the fringy guy. He's been playing better lately. If you look, look at the, PFF grades. He's 14th among quarterbacks in PFF passing grades over the last three weeks. That you know, first game back from injury was horrible, but he, he's been decent over the last three. Um, and you know, plenty of touchdown potential for him, I think, in this matchup against Houston. Houston matchup has actually been neutral for QB scoring on yeah. the year, though. So uh, it's it's certainly not something that would make me downgrade Russell Wilson, but it definitely keeps me from getting excited about Russell Wilson with the way that they've been playing. I I would pretty easily play Kirk Cousins tonight over Russell Wilson. I would probably play Joe Burrow over Russell Wilson this week too. I'm playing, I'm playing Russ over those guys. Uh, I, I, you know, a lot of the reason the Texans haven't given up a lot to quarterbacks is they're 28th in, in a neutral pass rate against, you know, teams haven't been needing to throw on that much and Seattle probably won't need to throw a lot here either, but Seattle is actually 11th in situation neutral pass rate over the last 11 weeks, you know, we think about, you know, this team is a run heavy team, but I think the running game just so bad. They've kind of stopped trying to be a run heavy offense. So um, I, I think Wilson should get enough volume in this game to put up a, a pretty nice fantasy outing. 
Travis Homer was the top scoring running back for the Seahawks last week because he took a fake punt 73 yards for a touchdown. We had 11 carries for Adrian Peterson. We had 10 carries for Rashad Penny. Uh, Alex Collins was inactive for that game with an abdominal injury, but this week he reportedly says he feels much better. I would certainly not play any of these running backs unless I absolutely had to use one of them. Agreed. Uh, you know, the, the matchup is good, but the running game has been horrible all season, no matter who's been in there. Um, and I have no, I have no idea how carries are going to be distributed, especially if Collins ends up active. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes, but probably poorly. Um, Seahawks on defense are down safety. Jamal Adams for the rest of the year with uh, shoulder surgery that might matter in this game. If they were actually playing an NFL team. <laughs> yeah. Um, as usual, it's just Brandon cooks on the Texan side and cooks um, has actually been a bit better this year with Davis mills than Tyrod Taylor. Um, targets 7.3 per game with Taylor 8.2 with Davis mills, four catches per game with Tyra Taylor, six catches per game with Davis mills. So, um, he's got, he's, he's gotten crappy quarterback play all season, no matter who it's been from. Um, but I still think he's a, he's a decent wide receiver three because he's going to dominate targets. Yeah. I'm going to have to be weighing Brandon cooks this week versus guys like, uh, Jamal Williams, maybe Zeke Elliott for a PPR flex spot. I'm not even sure which way I'm going to go there yet. I'd, I'd rank him Zeke. Cooks, Williams. Yeah, we'll see. That's that one I can at least agonize on a little right. bit longer this week and just sit back and enjoy Justin Jefferson tonight. Nice. For otherwise, for Houston, we'll see. I mean, you talk about Davis Mills, but we don't even know for sure yet that he's going to be the quarterback here, right? Because Tyrod Taylor, yeah. or sorry, Tyrod Taylor was practicing even with that uh, wrist injury that may or may not include a torn ligament. Yeah. Uh, the Texans haven't ruled him out for this game yet, but um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I think it would make sense for them to, to go back to Mills the rest of the way now. Especially after the way Taylor played last week against the Colts. Yes. Nothing else from this yep. game, right? No. Jacksonville at Tennessee. The Titans by nine. It's an over-under of 43 and a half. And we'll start on the Jaguars side where we talked about James Robinson a little bit before. He is still dealing with the heel injury, also listed with a knee issue. It doesn't seem like those were the things that limited his playing time last week, though, because he was in there late in a game where they got blown out. Uh, it seems as though the coaches were punishing him for a fumble, although I, I don't, I haven't seen them talking openly about it, so I don't know for sure if they've even admitted that. This week, we had Trevor Lawrence say that James Robinson needs to be on the field more. So if your star rookie quarterback with luxurious hair is speaking publicly about how much a running back needs to be on the field. You know that things are not going great for the coaching staff, and it might be a good idea to just kind of go with that. And, you know, not only that, but put the guy on the field that is one of the best players that you have on offense. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think the injuries, and, and he's dealing with a heel and a knee issue. Um, I'm not sure if that's why the snaps were down last week, but I think they're definitely impacting Robinson's volume and his play. You know, the report's – last Sunday morning where that, you know, there was a chance he, he didn't play in that game. You know, he was kind of a, a game time decision. Um, and, and like you said, he remained limited in Wednesday's practice. So I, I, he's definitely not at hundred um, percent. That obviously hurts, especially when we're talking about a guy on a bad offense to begin with. Um, so I don't know. Robinson's still around like running back 20 in our ranking. So he, he's not a must bench guy. I mean, he's, he's definitely lower than he was, you know, he was, he was borderline RB one uh, before these injuries became an issue. Yeah. I mean, I think a fully healthy James Robinson could be, you know, among the top 12 this week, as it is more of a, a higher end, I, I would say RB2. And we'll kind of see where how yep. the reports go on the health heading into Sunday. Uh, but I think it, it seems like it was more questionable coaching 
than <laughs> physical stuff that limited him last week. Yeah, well, the Jaguars, by the way, lost that game by 30, and they still had nobody get more than six targets. They still ran it 25 times, even though James Robinson was on the sideline for a lot of it. LaVisca Chenault had as many rushing attempts in that game as he had <laughs> catches. Yeah, I mean, questionable coaching in Jacksonville is a continuing concern, you know, <laughs> until Urban Meyer gets out of there. Um, it, it's an issue. Laquan Treadwell might might honestly be the best bet among Jacksonville wide receivers. Now. He's finished uh, wide receiver 38 and wide receiver 34 the last two weeks, and he leads Chanel and Marvin Jones in expected fantasy points over that span. Uh, Treadwell's actually 25th among receivers in expected fantasy points. So I, ideally, you just avoid all these wide receivers, but, um, you know, Treadwell has been an every-down player for the past couple of weeks. This is the Seattle backfield of wide receiver situations. Please don't play yep. any of them if you can help it. When Laquan Treadwell is your bright spot, that's a clear sign that you're a fantasy situation to avoid. It's bad. James O'Shaughnessy, though, led that team last week with six targets in the first game without Dan Arnold. So some usage there. I don't know if it's enough to actually yeah. make him an attractive fantasy option. I mean, he, he's not as good as Dan Arnold. And even the, the you know, the, the routes weren't as strong as Arnold was getting. Uh, 69% route rate for James O'Shaughnessy last week. Um, you mentioned, you know, the six targets, 21% target share. If that continues, then he's an option. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd have to be desperate to be using James O'Shaughnessy. I think pretty much every tight end we've mentioned so far, I would play over him. Yes, I'm with that as well. Uh, on the Tennessee side, Julio Jones took part in practice Wednesday, which is weird. I'm not sure. I think the last time he practiced on the Wednesday was like 2006. But Needs, still needs to be activated from IR with that hamstring injury. Seems like he's trending in that direction. We'll have to watch him throughout the week, though, to make sure that that actually happens. Yeah, Julio has been out since week nine. Um, so I don't know, maybe he's gotten enough time off where that hamstring is finally not an issue. The matchup's good, too. You know, Jacksonville 28th and adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. I would I would still want to see Julio make it through a game healthy before using him in a fantasy lineup, especially at this time of the season. I would like to as well, but if you're looking, if you're in a situation where you're talking about how much Laquan Treadwell has done the past two weeks, <laughs> yeah. I think Julio Jones is is worth considering at least. Yeah, but I, I would do someone like KJ Osborne tonight over Julio this week. Yes, I would do that as well. Um, there's still some sorting to do now in the Tennessee backfield because Jeremy McNichols looks like he's ready to go after missing a couple of games with a concussion, but you know, we have to wait and see and wonder whether Dontrell Hilliard has passed him with his play over those past couple of games that McNichols missed. Yeah. And, you know, maybe we'll get a report on that, or, you know, maybe one of those guys will be inactive on Sunday. I'm kind of betting against that. I think uh, Foreman McNichols and Hilliard will all be active. And if that's the case, I mean, again, it's a, a, a matchup we want to attack, you know, Jacksonville's a mediocre run D, but they give up a lot of fantasy points to running backs because they're always behind. And I do think Tennessee will be able to run it plenty in this game. I think, I think Dante Foreman is safe as like the early down big back here. So I feel decent about him as like an RB three, maybe an RB two, even in non PPR. I, I don't know how snaps and touches are going to be divvied between Hilliard and McNichol. So unless we get a report on it, um, I, I would try not to use those two guys. Yeah. I, it's, it's a shaky situation to jump into. And I agree with that. Uh, Dante Foreman is the, you know, double C thick running back in this committee. Uh, otherwise I don't know what to expect yeah. the team to do unless they say, because Jeremy McNichols was the clear lead guy in that smaller pass catching role earlier this season. But yeah. then, I mean, based on Dontrell Hilliard's production, the past two games, clearly he's outproduced what the team thought he would do if they put him on the field. Otherwise they would have gotten him on the field much earlier this season. So 
I think that has to factor in somehow. And it's not like McNichols was doing a lot. He was, right. you know, involved as a receiver quite a bit when he needed to be. And they need that this week. So it, it's tough. I hope we get some indication. If I was a Titans coach, though, I wouldn't have any reason to tell you chuckleheads what I'm going to do with my backfield ahead <laughs> of the game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I will say Hilliard got 11 carries in that game against the Patriots. Uh, you know, McNichols only had four and seven in his two games without Derrick Henry. So, and, and I, don't know, I guess it wasn't even game flow because Tennessee was playing behind New England. But I, I don't know. It seems like Tennessee already gave Hilliard more rushing work than you know they were willing to give McNichols before his concussion. So if I had a lean, it'd be to Hilliard. But again, um, there's just there's just no way to know for sure. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Maybe we'll hear something before Sunday, but uh, we'll see. Um, yep. There's really nothing else of interest to me on the Tennessee side. And I, the Jaguars are nope. basically have been, basically been a neutral matchup for QB scoring, much like Houston, where it's not anything that you really like about the defense. It just hasn't been the pushover spot that you would think it is by how the team has mm-hmm. played. Yeah, these are these are two of my uh, least favorite offenses in the league to discuss. So let's let's move on. Nice. So let's get to the Saints and the Jets for some exciting offense. Saints <laughs> by five and a half in this game. It is an over-under of 43. Alvin Kamara looks like he's trending toward playing in this game, which is especially good news because Mark Ingram is on the COVID list. Yeah, and he gets the Jets, who you know are, are dead last in adjusted points allowed to running backs. And Kamara put in a full practice on Wednesday. So you know, if he goes full, 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 I got to think you know he's ready for his usual workload. The, the Taysom Hill stuff is a slight concern. You know, Hill's going to steal some rushing volume. Kamara's target... Uh, share or you know target volume is probably going to be down he averaged uh four targets per game in Taysom Hill's four starts last season one of those was that funky game against the Broncos where Denver didn't have a quarterback and New Orleans didn't have to do much um so I don't know I think you, you could you'll probably still get four to six targets from Kamara here and again he has big upside on the ground against his Jets defense so I, Kamara to me is, is back to being at least a top 12 option he, he's someone I'll be considering in DFS this week too yeah, I mean, another key thing to remember is they had Michael Thomas at that time. Right now, yeah. they have nothing anywhere close to that. I think they had Emmanuel Sanders, too, uh, healthy at that point, right? I, mean, I think so. I think so. I guess I don't know if he was active or inactive. He was at least yeah. on the team at that point. So they had a much better situation at wide receiver. I'm not going to downgrade Alvin Kamara's target expectation mm-hmm. for Taysom Hill. It's certainly a concern. Um, but, you know, Kamara's their number one receiver at this point. So I would definitely play... Alvin Kamara, I think there's huge upside this week for him against the Jets. Taysom Hill is also, he carries plenty of upside into this one, regardless of how much he throws the ball. Because he remember he reminded us last week with 100 rushing yards in that game, even if you take out the Deontay Harris long catch and run touchdown, we still would have gotten a top 15 fantasy week from Taysom Hill there. And like almost all that rushing production came in the second half. It was weird. Like the, the first half, the Saints were using Hill as like a, you know, drop back, passer then the second half they kind of remembered he could run and all that all that running came after he hurt his finger Uh, that's the risk with hill here i mean his passing projection is kind of always shaky to begin with although the matchup against the jets obviously helps there but he's going to be playing through a mallet finger the same uh, injury that russell wilson had hills is obviously much less severe he didn't even need surgery he's going to play through it but it it adds some risk um but again as long as long as he's running um you know, he's to me, he's a quarterback one. He Hill has finished as a top 11 fantasy quarterback in all five of his NFL starts now. He's Jalen Hurts, pretty much. I, yeah, maybe even better as a runner. Honestly, I think he's like closer to Cam Newton as a runner. 
Mallet finger is definitely something I had never heard of before this year, but football teaches you things like compartment syndrome was the one from a couple of years ago. Mallet finger, by the way, is an injury where to the tip of your finger, where you, it keeps you from being able to straighten it. That was what I found in looking up mallet finger. I don't really know beyond that, the technical aspects of it, but it sounds pretty important to a quarterback. Fortunately, Taysom Hill is not really a quarterback. Um, as we said, there's not really anything going on a receiver here. I'm not chasing any Saints pass catcher in this game. Me either. Um, I, I think Traquan Smith is still the best bet, and the matchup's good. But, um, yeah, I, I don't expect a lot of passing from the Saints in general in this spot. Like, if you were choosing between Laquan Treadwell, Josh Reynolds, and Traquan Smith, would you think they'd play? <laughs> I, I, I don't know, honestly. I can't, I can't give you a good answer. I'd be like, why am I still paying attention to fantasy this late in the season with these guys to choose from? I'd probably go Traquan, honestly, because I, I like Traquan Smith. I think he's good, and the, the Jets are horrible. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you can make an argument in any direction, then it's fine to go with Traquan Smith there. We do have a wide receiver question over here involving a couple of those guys. Um, Azar Ahmed says, Laquan Treadwell, Josh Reynolds, or Jalen Guyton in half PPR, Jared. We haven't gotten to Guyton yet, but who are you yeah. playing among those three wideouts in half PPR? So it'd be Guyton unless Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are back. Um, it might even be Guyton. Who are the other guys? Traquan and Yeah, Laquan Treadwell, yeah, Josh yeah. Reynolds, and Jalen Guyton. Yeah. I'd probably go Treadwell if uh, the Chargers get their top two receivers back. But I think Guyton would be in the mix even then. I think Treadwell and Josh Reynolds are the same guy heading into this week. So yeah, I would go for Guyton most likely, especially if either um, Keenan Allen or Mike Williams are out. And if both of them are out, of course. Um, And I I would still consider him even if both of those guys are back. Yep. Agreed. All right. So on the Jets side of this (laughs) one, we got some progress from Zach Wilson last week. And by that, I mean, he wasn't awful in the first half of the game. It was actually pretty good. Produced some touchdowns. And they said going into the game that they wanted to get him settled down earlier, playing better in the first half. So that he didn't stink for a half, fall behind and then play better in the second half. It worked. And then they stunk in the second half. So, I mean, (laughs) maybe next year for Zach Wilson, um, nothing for this year for fantasy. So Jets wise for me, it's Elijah Moore and it's nothing else. Yeah, Wilson got his second highest PFF grade of the season last week. I did think it was one of his better games. You know, like you said, he's still not a fantasy option, but it it, it obviously helps Elijah Moore if his quarterback can, can play a bit better. Um, Elijah Moore did not practice on Wednesday with a quad injury. Uh, Robert Salah called him day-to-day, so not, not serious, but um, worth keeping an eye on for the rest of the week now. Um, Elijah Moore is second among wide receivers in half PPR points over the past five weeks now. He's, he's been awesome. Corey Davis done for the season now. So Elijah Moore should continue to dominate targets in um, the saints 30th in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. I, I do think, you know, Moore is going to see quite a bit of Marshawn Lattimore this in this game. So it's not a, you know, easy matchup for him. Um, but you know, the, the saints have been giving up fantasy points to wide receivers. Yeah. He's, he's not a must play despite that production because the situation is so bad that he could easily see 10 targets and catch two of them in a given game, mm-hmm. especially entering with an injury, but he's getting, alpha wide receiver usage you know it's not that he's producing fluky numbers on low usage he's seeing like 30 plus percent percent target share per game and as you mentioned Corey davis is done for the year now so no reason not to expect to expect it to continue one challenge this week is keelan cole is off the covid list and they have been playing him just as much as elijah moore not targeting him as much but um keelan cole is on the field at, you know, for a starters level reps and yeah. will be involved still. If Keelan, I, I don't think Keelan Cole is a <laughs> big challenge to what Elijah Moore can do. 
No, yeah, it'll be more and Cole on the outside and Jamison Crowder in the slop. You know, Cole is less of a threat to more than, than Corey Davis would be. Anything else from that game? Well, I mean, I guess we should mention the backfield. Tevin Coleman, the clear leader on the rushing side. Ty Johnson is the clear leader in playing time on the receiving side, but not the clear target leader. Yeah, and Coleman's in concussion protocol. So he's iffy for this game. Um, so you'd have, you know, if he's out, you'd have, you'd have Ty Johnson, Austin Walter, and then they, they still have LaMichael P. Ryan on the roster too, has been a healthy scratch, but I, I would guess he'd be active if Coleman's out and, you know, it'd still be a three-man committee. Saints have been tough against the run all season. So avoid the Jets backfield. Yes, absolutely. Now we'll move on to Atlanta at Carolina. The Panthers are two and a half point favorites here over under a 42 and a half. And on the Atlanta side, it's really just Cordero Patterson and chill <laughs> pretty much for me. Russell Gage, no love for Russell Gage. I mean, you know, we, we, we got it. We got his, we got his biggest game of the season last week. We, we, Ever. you know, highlighted him here last week in a good spot against the Bucks. Tougher spot here. Um, Carolina seventh in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. But I mean, Gage has been getting enough volume. He has seven plus targets in four of his last five games. He's 27th among receivers and expected fantasy points over the past four weeks. So he's, you know, he's getting wide receiver three level usage. I kind of think that's what he is, you know, just, you know, don't expect another game like you got last week from him. Yes, I think he's fine as a low-level wide receiver three. He did get shut out the last time against Carolina. Didn't even get a target in that game. So it's a much tougher matchup uh, for him this week. So he absolutely could give you six catches for 60 yards. He could give you bubkis. Yep. And as we mentioned with Kyle Pitts earlier, we've gotten closer to bubkis most times with him. He's tight end 10 back in week two. He was tight end three in week five. He was tight end two in week seven. No other top 12 finishes this year. He's had just two other finishes higher than 20th among fantasy tight ends. And the last time that he faced Carolina, he finished tight end 35, his season low. So I don't like Kyle Pitts this week. Neither do I, but, you know, we, as we've said, tight end so crappy that, you know, I, he's still a top 10 guy in our rankings. And I, you know, I do think he's still a top 10 ish play. You know, he's Pitts is 14th among tight ends and expected fantasy points over the past uh, four weeks now. So, you know, he's, he's not even getting, getting top 12 level usage and the efficiency has just been, really been bad um, without Calvin Ridley. You know, that's, that's been a problem. Pitts has been struggling as the focal point of opposing defenses and Carolina has been tough against tight ends all season. Football outsiders has them fourth in tight end coverage. They're 11th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end. So you know, I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't like Pitts. I guess I don't like him not as much as you don't like him. Um, <laughs> just, just again, cause tight end is so crappy and Pitts, he, he's still a, awesome talent like he can still you know make one big play that kind of makes his fancy day he also hasn't scored now since i don't know way, way back when um which you know that is bound to change I, I think i would be taking a shot on the guys that we talked about at the bottom of tight end one territory over kyle pitts because i think there's at least some upside to mine there you mentioned all the matchup stuff all the coverage stuff carolina was also running stefan gilmore against him in coverage when they met last time so they treat him like a wide receiver. They're going to cover him like a receiver. And the the Falcons don't have anything to challenge them to do otherwise. It's him and Patterson. And, you know, if I'm taking one of those away, Kyle Pitts is the easier one to take away. Yeah, Pitts is going to be such an interesting guy to kind of look at when the season's over. Like, we we always say that, like, tight ends that are used as wide receivers, that's a good thing. But like Pitt, Pitts has struggled because they've been using him outside and he's been drawing, like, number one corners. Whereas if they used him – and more traditional tight end spots, he'd be you know, facing linebackers and safeties and he'd probably be faring a lot better. So I don't know. I, you know, I do think um, hopefully Atlanta gets Calvin Ridley back next season. I, I think, I think that'll help Kyle Pitts. 
On the Carolina side of this one, Tampa Bay opened last week attacking the Falcons' pass defense. They had a 13-play scoring drive to open the game, and all 13 of those plays were passes. So it's clear that watching the Falcons, they were like, these guys stink against the pass. We're going to attack them there. Not sure Cam Newton is going to do the same thing this week, but the matchup certainly at least helps his upside. I actually think Carolina's going to go run heavy in this game. Um, you know, they, they fired Joe Brady like as the games were, were kicking off on Sunday, kind of. Good timing there. They um, promoted Jeff Nixon as their interim OC. He has a running backs coach background. He, he has a long history with Matt Rule. Um, and it, it sounds like from reading, you know, some of the Panthers beat writers that, you know, the, the issue with Brady is he wasn't running it enough for Rule for Rule's liking. So um, I, I think I, I think you're going to see a run heavy game plan here from, from Carolina. You know, Atlanta is not much better against the run than the pass. Um, you know, Cam Newton can obviously be, a big part of that running game. I, I like Newton to, to bounce back here. He had that total dud last time out against Miami. Miami's defense has been tough lately. You know, they, they, you know, Lamar Jackson struggled against them in Newton's other start this season. He finished quarterback four against Washington, Washington, uh, 32nd in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. Atlanta's 31st in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. So it's another good matchup for Cam Newton. You know, he's not the most comfortable play after what we saw last time out, but, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes as a top 12 quarterback this week. Yeah. I mean, he's just never going to be comfy, but I, I like him this week as well. I think it's a great spot for him and we should get plenty of rushing. I'm not interested in any Panthers pass catcher beyond DJ Moore. And I yep. mean, even though we're expecting lots of rushing, it's tough to like this backfield because it mm-hmm. looks like it's going to be Chuba Hubbard running and Amir Abdullah receiving. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, I think that's a concern for Chuba Hubbard going forward I, I do think you know this spot sets up pretty good for him the Panthers are home favorites so game flow you know could work in his favor should work in his favor if you know the Vegas line is right um, and again the, the matchup is good against Atlanta they're 28th in adjusted points allowed to running back so there's definitely some risk because I I, I am with you I think Abdullah is going to handle most of the pass catching work he might even mix in on early downs more than Chuba might give up more rushing work than he was when McCaffrey missed, you know, the five weeks earlier this season. We'll see exactly what the backfield looks like. But I, I, again, I think the matchup is good enough that you can use Hubbard as like a borderline RB too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's worth noting that Amir Abdullah is a solid player. At some point he was, I believe a third round pick. <laughs> um, he, you know, was relegated to kick returner with his previous team, but he's on the talent front. He's at least similar to Chuba Hubbard. I love Amir Abdullah coming out. I still, I still think he's good. I still think he might be better. And Chuba Hubbard, but um, you know, Carolina just drafted Hubbard. I I think they, you know, they they probably want to see what they have in him the rest of the way. So I do expect him yeah. to be the lead ball carrier. Yes, I expect Hubbard to get the ball more as well. But it's at least it's different from one of those situations where you're like, where did this other running back come from, and why is he stealing touches from the starter? You know, this is somebody who's <laughs> a decent at football. Yep. Detroit at Denver, the Broncos by ten points. It's an over under forty two and a half, just a half point behind Seattle, Houston for the lowest over under of the week and reasonably. So it's an unexciting game here on the Detroit side, no practice for Deandre Swift Wednesday. We're expecting him to miss at least another game with his shoulder injury, of course, missed last week. And in his absence, Jamal Williams suffered the Chuba Hubbard thing. He had plenty of rushing and lost receiving to Godwin Iguabuke. Yeah. I I couldn't believe that one. You know, it's not like he's losing receiving to JD McKissick or Naheem Hines. It's Godwin Iguabuke. Um, just, just 20% of their outs for Jamal Williams only had one target. He, he got the 17 carries, but that was in a game where Detroit actually had positive game script against Minnesota. And that's not going to be the case most of the season. Uh, I don't know. So, so Williams is like a early down 
runner on, on a bad offense, it's not going to do much in the passing game. I, I think he's just an RB three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. This is one spot though, where I could see it swinging back toward Jamal Williams because this isn't Amir Abdullah <laughs> as his backup. Godwin Igobuke is 27 years old. He was an undrafted free agent back in 2018. He played safety in college. So maybe he's good at catching passes. I have no idea. He only got two targets last week. So it's not like they were targeting him a lot. I, this one was weird and I wouldn't be surprised if it disappears this week and we get more targets for Jamal Williams. That said, we saw that usage last week. We can't pretend it didn't happen and just assume that the targets go to Williams. So I would use that if I'm weighing Williams versus somebody else close to him in the rankings, but I certainly wouldn't, you know, swing his, projection way back in the other direction yeah i mean at least you know he's going to handle most of the rushing work um but at this point i have to assume what we saw last week is going to be the usage um it's it's strange you know Ig- a freak athlete though if you look at you know his measurables he's like a 99th percentile guy um i don't know detroit wants to see if he's he's part of their future i guess hey if you go from being a college safety to an nfl running back oh, clearly yeah. you can do it athletically so you know, maybe he's showed them something on that front that, that we we haven't seen on this side. Anyway, over to the wide receivers, we talked about a little bit. Josh Reynolds, Amon Ross, St. Brown, they're both in play if you're looking for a wide receiver, four or five. St. Brown's 12 targets last week, though, way out of line with the rest of his season so far. Yes, the, the one note with Amon Ross, St. Brown, is he's actually been playing more outside now. He's been playing in two wide receiver sets. He uh, Amon Ross, St. Brown has led the Lions and pass routes in two straight games now, whereas before he was, you know, just playing in the slot. So St. Brown is the Lions guy I'd go with if I have to choose one of these guys. But, you know, again, what, what we saw last week from this offense, you're, you're, you're not going to get it again, especially, you know, in Denver, tough place to play against a pretty solid defense. Yeah. So I'd set expectations closer to four catches for him, some short yep. yards with that. I think Josh Reynolds is the higher ceiling guy just by virtue of having deeper targets. Yeah, that's fair. On the Denver side, it's really tough to like anything in the passing game because the Broncos are 10-point favorites and don't have a very good quarterback. It's easy to like Javante Williams, though, after what happened last week, even though it looks like Melvin Gordon is trending toward returning for this game. Yeah, and we'll see, you know, what Williams' performance did to the backfield split here. You know, just knowing NFL coaches and it's, you know, it's Vic Fangio, I wouldn't be surprised if it just goes back to being, you know, a pure committee. But, yeah, like you said, even in that case, if you give me – 13 carries from Javante Williams and a few targets against the lions. I'm going to start him. You know, he, he might just not be the top 10 guy that he was last week and that he would have been if, if Gordon remained out. Yeah. Certainly upside into that range though. I think even with yep. Gordon back, cause this is a game where they both could score. Um, Jerry sure. Judy, I think is in play. I would play him over those lions guys in a PPR lineup. Oh, but yeah. I can't even say that Jerry Judy over Josh Reynolds is a strong feeling. It's the way I would go, but He's averaging just 55 receiving yards per game on the year. He does have four-plus catches in five of his six games this year. I would play Judy over the Lions guys pretty easily. Um, he's he, Judy's 37th among receivers in expected fantasy points over the past four games now. So, you know, low-end wide receiver three usage. The matchup's good here. I mean, the Lions are actually middling in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. That, that's because they haven't faced a ton of pass attempts because teams are always leading against them. But, I mean, it, it's a bad – secondary Jared Judy's going to be open um you know he just needs Teddy Teddy to get in the ball mm-hmm. yeah that's the problem so we'll see how that goes anything else on that side I mean no offense still out there but I feel like he's not even worth talking about at this point I mean he's just he's losing too much to Albert okay Boonham it's like you know two or three targets every game but you know that kind of adds up at you know especially at tight end um you know fans going from seven targets to you know four or five you know that that makes a 
a big difference. The matchup's good here. I think he's decent. Uh, but, you know, fan, fans outside our top 12 tight ends this week. Yeah. And I, every time I see that, I want to like him more. And then I just don't because yeah. <laughs> it, it, the, the, the situation doesn't call for it at this point because he's not getting the target volume that he seemed on the way to getting early this season for the reasons that you just said. Yeah. This might be the saddest offense in the NFL because at least like Jacksonville, there's not much talent there. There's so much talent in Denver and just none of them are doing anything. Yes. It's annoying. And it's because they stink at picking out quarterbacks and they could have Justin Fields right now and we could oh. all be celebrating. <laughs> Yeah. Instead, we'll move on to the Giants at Chargers, which has a different uh, issue that we already alluded to <laughs> earlier. The Chargers are 10 point favorites here over under 43 and a half. We'll have to watch that line to see if it changes at all, though, with the players who may or may not be playing. The big story, of course, on the Chargers side, Keenan Allen is COVID positive. Mike Williams, a close contact. So it sounds like they both still have a chance to play. I would have to think that Williams's chance is better as just a close contact. All he has to do is keep testing yeah. negative and he'll be back for the game. Keenan Allen's going to need two uh, negative tests 24 hours apart ahead of Sunday's game to be able to return. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think um, Keenan Allen seems unlikely to play. There's not, not many guys I can think of this season that tested positive and then were cleared um, for the game that weekend. Mike Williams can be activated on Friday if he continues to test negative. So we should know his status by then. And if, you know, if, if Keenan's out and Mike Williams is in, you know, I think Mike Williams is, you know, pretty easy top 20 wide receiver plays, you know, it should be the, the clear um, top target getter on the team. I think that TJ Watt um, <clears throat> tested positive and then returned within a week last week for the Steelers Ravens game. Okay, I thought it was the Monday night game that he returned for, but yeah, yeah. I mean, either way, it's it's definitely happened, but I, I think it's been um, pretty rare this season. So I, I would I would consider Keenan more likely to to miss this game than that. Yes, I would be planning right now as though I'm not going to have Keenan Allen available, and then if you have him, awesome. Yep. Um, yep. So what are the scenarios then? Let's assume for the sake of this right now that we do have Mike Williams and we don't have Keenan Allen. What else? What else is going on in this wide receiver core? Yeah, so I mean, it's Jalen Guyton and Josh Palmer as the next guys up. Um, Paul, Palmer would get the bigger boost if Keenan Allen is out because I mean, Jalen Guyton's already he's already ran her out on sixty three percent of the pass plays this season with Keenan and Mike Williams healthy. Uh, I probably still prefer Jalen Guyton if choosing between these two guys, um, but I do think Palmer's a guy that's going to do more of the Keenan Allen stuff. You know, he's going to get more time in the slot. He's going to run some of the shorter range stuff. Where I think Guyton would remain the big play guy. Um, so I, I I think they'd be close in value, but um, if I had to pick one, I would still go with Guyton. Yeah, I think the thing between them is none of us knows at all how to project the targets for them. So without having a reason to say, you know, Josh Palmer's going to get eight targets and Jalen mm -hmm. Guyton's going to get four, you kind of have to go with the guy that has more of the big play flair yeah. to him because it'll be easier for him to get to those numbers on fewer targets if neither one eats up a bunch of them. Yep, agreed. Uh, I mean, I, I I think I think Austin Eckler is going to pick up a bunch of extra targets. Um, I think Jared Cook could as well. Um, you know, Cook Cook's played he's played forty seven percent of his snaps in the slot this season. He's played another eighteen percent out wide. So you know, he's he's basically playing wide receiver for them. Um, so you know, Eckler and Cook could be you know as big beneficiaries as Gutton and, and Josh Palmer. Yeah, I mean, everybody in that offense, you have to increase their target outlook for either of those wide receivers missing, especially Keenan Allen. And then if Mike Williams is also out for that game, then obviously you just that just 
extends the range of possible outcomes for all of the other guys that you're considering playing. And the fact that they have a good quarterback playing with them makes it yep. easier to bet on the positive side than to worry about the negative side there. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it, I think, you know, Justin Herbert would become a tough call too this week. If he's missing both guys, if he gets Mike Williams back, um, I, I would stick with Herbert in most cases, unless you have like another top 10 option. But if both those guys are out and the Giants pasty has been tough this season, you know, they're top 10 in football outsiders pasty and adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. Um, so it'd be a tough spot if Herbert's without both his top two wideouts. Yeah. That's why I would go ahead and play Kirk cousins tonight because I think he's a fairly high floor yeah. play. And there is the chance that we have neither of those wideouts available for Justin Herbert in a, you know, a matchup. That's not a gimme anyway. I mean, there's a chance that Justin Herbert could have a tough game there, even with both those wideouts. So Unless I have Kirk Cousins, I agree with you. I would go ahead and probably roll with Justin Herbert. Fortunately, if you're not deciding between Herbert and Cousins specifically, then we'll yep. have until Sunday to kind of see what the situation is better. Yep. Um, on the Giants side, Daniel Jones keeps putting in limited practices with his neck issue, mm -hmm. but it doesn't sound like they expect him to be cleared for action this week, right? Right. He still needs medical clearance to, you know, take, take contact and play. Um, and then Mike Lennon has a concussion. So he's iffy for this game. So it might be Jake Fromm, um, Georgia quarterback. He was, you know, he was like a good, but not great college quarterback, uh, fifth round pick of the bills in 2020. And, and Fromm just signed with the giants on November 30th. So like, a, like, like a week and a half ago. So he's, you know, he's not comfortable in this offense. I, I, it'd probably be a disaster if it, if it's from, yeah, and we'll see. Mike Glennon might make it back from the concussion. I, I think no matter who it is, it's gonna it, it's necessarily a downgrade for everybody else. So we'll see about the receivers too. Sterling Shepard was a limited practice participant Wednesday. He's got the quad issue that he's trying to make it back from. Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony were not practicing at all. So I mean, you can just go ahead and wipe them out of any fantasy plans. All of that should make it a decent spot for Evan Ingram versus other low end tight ends. It just doesn't seem like the Giants care about what the spot looks like for Evan Ingram. It's not going to matter for his target count. Yeah, we say that every week. I feel like this you know, seems like it should be a decent spot for Evan Ingram. Then it really just doesn't end up mattering. Um, yeah, Kenny, Kenny Galladay returned from that rib injury last week, so I kind of expect him to play. Kadarius Tony has a new injury, despite you know not not even playing in the past like month. He went from a quad injury, now it's an oblique injury. So I have no idea what's going on with him. Um, you know, Shepard would probably be a decent target bet if he ends up playing, but it's tough to tough to like him with the quarterback situation. Yeah, definitely. I it's also tough to like Saquon Barkley this week. He's back on the injury report with an ankle issue, limited Wednesday, so I doubt that his game status is in question. We'll watch that through the week, but he's also he can't be close to 100% if he's showing up on the injury report again. And then the defense, the Chargers have been a matchup that we want to target for running backs all year, but it's not really nearly as bad a run defense as you would think. 15th in PPR points per game allowed to running backs over the past five weeks. The eighth fewest yards per rush allowed to running backs over that same span. And for the year, seventh in running back coverage DVOA. Yeah, it seems like they've been better since the bye week. You know, they did a good job against Joe Mixon last week. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's like a smash spot for Saquon. He, he's been getting enough volume or he, he's been finishing as like a low end RB. His weekly finishes since coming back from the ankle RB 23, RB 31, RB 21. You know, he's, he's not the high ceiling guy you thought you were getting when you drafted him, but he, he's at least getting enough volume where he hasn't been killing you. And I, I would, I would you know, expect that to continue this week. 
if we have a healthier seeming James Robinson by the weekend, I think I would play him over Saquon Barkley. If he's like a full going practice one of these next two days. Yeah. But if not, I just, I'm, I don't buy that he's healthy. Yeah. We'll see how that goes closer to the weekend. Hope that you don't have to decide between those guys because neither is exciting at this point. Yep. Anything else from that game? No. Buffalo at Tampa Bay and what should be a much more exciting game. The Bucks by three and a half in this one over under a 53 and a half. Should be lots of passing volume on the Buffalo side. Far different from what we saw on Monday night. <laughs> yeah, Buffalo first in situation neutral pass rate. The Bucks first in situation neutral pass rate against. You know, I, I projected this game, and I think I gave the Bills running backs like 14 carries combined. And that, that might even be too high. Uh, I, I just think Allen's going to be throwing it all game. So that's obviously good news for all the pass catchers here. Um, yeah, I think it puts Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders and Dawson Knox in play, you know, higher than they would be most weeks just because the pass volume is going to be elevated. Yeah, I think Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders would be like, I don't want to play those guys in another matchup with how things have gone for them lately. But because of this matchup, it's like, okay, we can consider using these guys. Cole Beasley versus Russell Gage, I think, would be close. That would be a coin flip kind of decision for me. Yeah, I, I have a good note on Beasley from our buddy Dwayne McFarlane at PFF. The, the Bucks are the fourth zone heaviest defense in the NFL. They play zone 75% of their snaps. Cole Beasley leads the Bills in targets per route run against zone coverage, 25%, even higher than Stephon Diggs. You know, Cole Beasley is kind of Josh Allen's guy when he's facing zone. Um, so I, I think it's a good spot for Cole Beasley. I, I'd lean towards him over Gage. Just, just I think Beasley has a higher ceiling in the offense and in, the, in this game environment. I agree. Cole holding the zone, Beasley. I'm also loving Dawson Knox this week. I've been drafting him late in underdog battle royale drafts so far. Uh, the Bucks are 20th in tight end coverage DVOA. Dawson Knox has seen 19 targets over the past three games, including six in that Monday night game, which was a huge number for the amount of time that teams were passing in that game. 20.4% of Josh Allen's pass attempts over those past three games. And that three games, by the way, included a negative tight end matchup with the Saints on Thanksgiving night. And Dawson Knox was freaking brutal in that Monday night game against the Wingo, but he's such an inconsistent player. Like he's going to, he's going to come back from that. And he's going to have a two touchdown game in this one. I, I like him in this spot too. Yeah. Anything else from the Buffalo side? No, I totally avoid the backfield. Um, yes. We don't know how it works going to be split. And again, I don't think the bills are going to try to run too much. Yes. Start Alexander Madison tonight over any Bills running back. Yes. On the Bucks side, playing all the obvious guys, it is a tougher matchup for Rob Gronkowski. I just don't think it matters. And it's not like a brutally tough matchup because the Bills are 15th in tight end coverage DVOA. It's a tougher matchup too for Chris Godwin in the slot. Teron Johnson, Bills slot corner has been good this season. I, I think this is going to be a massive Mike Evans game. Um, you, know, you know, The Bills lost Trey White two weeks ago, uh, you know, against the saints, the saints have nothing to, to test um, Dane Jackson, who is Trey white's replacement. And then, you know, on Monday night that Patriots threw it three times. So, you know, the bills defense hasn't been tested yet without Trey white, Tom Brady, we know he's going to attack the weakness of the opposing defense. I think that, you know, that's, it's Dane Jackson right now. So I, I think it's an Evans blow up game, obviously more of a, a DFS note because you're, you're starting all these guys in season long for sure. How what's um, been the slot share lately for Chris Godwin? Yeah. So um, the other note here is um, Rashad Perriman took over as the, as the Bucks number three receiver last week in place of Tyler Johnson. So Perriman played almost exclusively on the outside and Godwin's slot rate actually been up last week because Tyler Johnson had been playing some in the slot. So it's been, uh, I think Godwin is, was like up in the eighties, uh, like 84% or something in the slot um, with Perriman on the outside. 
Nice. Yeah, it's a good spot for all those guys. I don't think that the Bills yeah. are going to be able to limit whatever the Bucks want to do in this one. But uh, yeah, it'll be curious to see if we get more Mike Evans targets, especially after a blow up Chris Godwin game last week against Atlanta. Um, anything else from the Bucks side there? No, Leonard Fournette's going to keep rolling. Yeah, let's hope so. San Francisco at Cincinnati, 49ers by one and a half points in this one. 48 and a half is the over under. And for the 49ers, Elijah Mitchell is in the concussion protocol. He's also had an MRI on a knee this week, which showed irritation, according to his coach. Yeah, and Jeff Wilson is dealing with knee trouble, too. Um, Shanahan said his knee flared up was was how he worded it um, during last Sunday's game. Wilson was limited in Wednesday's practice, so you know we'll, we'll, we'll see. It's, it seems like Elijah Mitchell's unlikely to play. You know, Wilson, iffy with the knee thing, so... Uh, Jermichael Hasty could kind of be the last man standing in this backfield. So, you know, hate Hasty should be owned in like every fantasy league right now because if, if he's the guy in San Francisco's backfield, I mean, he's he's gonna get heavy volume. Um, and Wilson should probably be owned too because if his knee allows it, you know, he'll probably be the lead back on Sunday. Yeah, so we'll see where this goes. I would like to not use Jeff Wilson, I would like to not use Jermichael Hasty, but there will certainly be upside to him if he ends up being the starting running back here. I'm yep. um, still no practice for Debo Samuel on Wednesday, dealing with a groin injury, missed last week. So we're gonna have to watch to see if he's able to play. Yeah, the the no practice on Wednesday would you know make me think he's not gonna play in this one. Um I, I'd go back to Brandon Ayuk. I know he was semi-disappointing last week. You know, just it, it all went to George Kittle. That's gonna happen some games. I think that'll you know swing back in Ayuk's favor. The Bengals could be without Chidobi Awuzie in this game too. He got hurt last week, so that would upgrade Ayuk's individual matchup. On the Bengals side, no practice for Joe Burrow on Wednesday, listed with knee and finger issues. Doesn't seem like he's uh, at risk to miss the game at all. He has said he's going to play through the finger injury, which is a pinky. So I guess if any of the fingers on that throwing hand are going to bother you, that's the one that you want to be bothering. Yeah, that injury happened on the very first drive of last week's game. And, you know, for a second there, it looked like he wasn't going to be able to return, but he ended up playing the rest of the game. You know, actually, yeah, he had like a, um, average PFF grade for him this season. I wasn't, wasn't um, noticeably hurt by the pinky issue. So you know, we'll keep an eye on it. I think it adds some risk, but um, yeah, it seems like Burrow should be fine for this one. And, and uh, his pass catcher should be fine. Though. One other injury note, T Higgins did not practice on Wednesday with an ankle injury. He hurt that ankle um, near the end of that game last week, was able to return, you know, was noticeably hobbled. Um, so we'll have to see what he does uh, these next couple of days and see how he's listed on the final injury report. Yeah, we'll have to be glad that it's no mallet finger for Joe Burrow here. Joe Mixon also missed practice Wednesday with an illness, not believed to be COVID-related according to the team website. So it doesn't seem like that should be an option, but we'll watch and see. We have had illnesses be, op- be obstacles at some points this year, but we'll assume for now that we have Joe Mixon available and adjust if that changes. Anything else from that game? Nope. Sunday night, Chicago at Green Bay. Packers by 12, over under a 43 and a half. Uh, it's fallen two to two and a half points from the open despite – Justin Fields' return, and the Bears trail the Lions, Giants, and Texans for lowest implied total of the week. That's a combo, I think, of the Bears being bad on offense most of the time this year and the Packers being pretty good on defense. They're up to 12th in weighted DVOA overall on defense. They're 10th against the pass for the season. Yeah, they've been good lately. Um, The Bears' offense has not been good, so – you know, don't don't go searching deep down the Bears' depth chart for fantasy options. I think, you know, David Montgomery – is a starter because of the volume he's been getting. He did miss practice on Wednesday. I think that's a load management thing because he had the 29 touches 
last week, um, but he's 12th in expected fantasy points over the past four weeks since coming back from his original injury. So yeah, Montgomery's in there. Um, and I think Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet are both um, lower end starting options for, for this Bears team. Shoulder, groin, and glute issues for Montgomery. So <laughs> things to watch for. Allen Robinson put in a limited practice. That's the first time he's practiced since before the week 10 bye. Can't play him at this point, but we'll see where this goes. No, yeah, I mean, I think it adds some downside to Mooney and Komet. You know, maybe Allen Robinson steals a few extra targets. But, um, yeah, you definitely, you're definitely not playing A-Rob this week. Cole Komet, four catches for 49 yards in the first meeting with the Packers. So there's not much upside to him. He hasn't scored a touchdown yeah. through 13 games. But, you know, he's <laughs> kind of a floor. Uh, he's, he's Ricky Seals-Jones. Yeah, in his last four full games with Justin Fields, he averaged 6.3 targets, four and a half catches, and 51 yards per game. And all that came with Allen Robinson. Um, so again, I think, you know, like you said, come out, not exciting, but I do think he's, you know, a pretty decent target, but on the Packers side, green Bay carries the highest implied total for the week of any teams. Uh, Devonte Adams was limited Wednesday with a hamstring issue. Expect that he'll be fine. There was no Aaron Rodgers, of course, coming out of the bye, but he's playing through that broken toe. So we expect him to get back on the field. No practice for Randall Cobb who suffered a groin injury in the last game before their week 13 bye. Yeah, Matt LaFleur said right before we started this pod that Cobb's going to be out a while with that injury. So, you know, he's definitely not going to play in this one. So it's going to be Devontae Adams, Marcus Vallis-Scantling, and Alan Lazard as, you know, Green Bay's pretty clear top three wide receivers. MBS has 10 and 9 targets in his last two games now. He's 18th in expected fantasy points among wide receivers over that span. And Chicago, dead last defending deep balls, according to Football Outsiders. So, you know, maybe, maybe this is one of those big, Marquez Valdez Scantling games. My my best ball teams would be happy. Give me MVS over any of those fringe wide receivers we've been talking about. Because even though I know there's a chance he gets five targets and catches none of them this week, there's also the chance that he gets the targets that you just said, eight or nine, yeah. catches six and has an enormous game. So I'm I'm more than willing to chase that ceiling in here and take a risk of getting, you know, nothing. Yeah, like I'm starting MVS over um, the Lions receivers over the Jags receivers. Some, someone asked me on Twitter this morning, would I start MVS or KJ Osborne? Um, I, I I think that one's close. I do think Osborne's a bit safer, uh, but MVS definitely definitely wins on upside. Yeah, I think I would have to chase MVS over KJ Osborne as well. That one I agree is close. It's a coin flip. Mm -hmm. You can go with your favorite, but you know, one's playing with Aaron Rodgers, one's not playing with Aaron Rodgers. We've got the downfield stuff clearly for MVS. So the ceiling is there and it's been displayed. The, uh, the Packers also might be getting left tackle David Bakhtiari back from IR. He's at least coming back soon. Not sure yet if it's going to be this week, but could be as soon as this week. And I'm really interested to see what the backfield looks like here. Um, you know, Aaron, I, I got to assume Aaron Jones was, was limited in his first game off the knee injury last time out before the bye. Um, you know, the, the snaps were basically split right down the middle between him and A.J. Dillon. Um, you know, Dillon had the 20 carries for just 10 to Aaron Jones. I, I don't know. I'm curious to see what it looks like. I, I do think Dillon's going to be a bigger – part of the backfield than he was early on this season. You know, he just, he, he played well in Aaron Jones's absence. Um, but I, I also think Jones will be the lead guy. And if I, if I'm picking between them for fantasy, I would go there in Jones. Um, but I think AJ Dillon's in play too, is like an RB three. Mm -hmm. Yes. I agree with that. All of that. And we'll move on now to the Monday night game where I think we have a similar backfield situation to what you just talked about with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon Rams at Arizona Cardinals by two in this one over under a 51 and a half points. Of course, as we're speaking, we've got no practice reports yet from this Rams-Arizona game because the first one comes out Thursday for the Monday night game. So we're waiting to see on Daryl Henderson's participation. Last week, he missed the first two days, put in a limited Friday, 
then was ghost active against Jacksonville. He was active for the game, didn't play at all. It was an emergency thing. We had a big game for Sony Michelle. And then afterward on Monday, Sean McVay said, quote, I think it's really good to get Sony going. I think he's a rhythm runner, but I think we definitely would want to find ways to still have Daryl as a big part of it. <laughs> now, we will see exactly what that means. You can never just take what a coach says and literally translate it to expectations. So we'll see, but I think that that at least leaves open the possibility of a healthy Daryl Henderson splitting with Sony Michelle, possibly even to the point of not getting as many carries as Michelle gets. Yeah, I read that quote like eight times trying to decipher what it meant, and I, st- I still don't really know like who he should be leaning towards. I'm, again, we're going to see the practice reports. Um, if Henderson's like still limited all week, and even if he ends up playing after that, at that point I'd lean towards Michelle as the better fantasy bet this week. Um, but what does that have to see? It is a good spot. Um, Arizona's 21st in adjusted points allowed to running backs, and Arizona is actually first in situation-neutral run rate against. Teams are running at a higher percent of their plays against Arizona than anyone else, even the Chargers at this point. Um, so you, you know, you could see more running from the Rams in this game than usual. Yeah. And I would take that quote to at least mean that if there's any limitation to Daryl Henderson, that Sean McVay would be just fine with running mm-hmm. Sonny Michelle's lead running back again. Yeah. Michelle's um, PFF rushing grade last week was higher than Henderson has posted in all, but one of his 10 games this season. So, you know, Michelle produced in fantasy. He also, he also just played well too. So he might've earned a bigger role going forward. Michelle's another guy that I'm going to have to be considering for that spot where I mentioned Brandon Cooks and Zeke Elliott earlier. So lots to look at going through the rest of the week. We mentioned it before. I would start Dalvin Cook over Daryl Henderson tonight if I'm making that decision. I don't think that I would start Alexander Madison over Daryl Henderson, but that would kind of depend on what my other options are beyond that. Yes, I would use Cook over Henderson. I would I would not use Madison over Henderson, I'm assuming Cook is active, obviously. Anything sneaky among the Rams pass catchers at this point, or is it pretty much what we've been seeing? Yeah. I mean, Odell was limited. It seemed like by the hip last week, you know, he, he was on the injury report with that hip point. He only played 53% of the Rams offensive snaps. So we'll keep an eye on his practice participation. You know, Beckham still scored, came in with a decent fantasy game, but um, you know, I, I prefer Van Jefferson this at this point, you know, with Beckham banged up. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the Cardinals side, I we got Kyler Murray back last week. We got DeAndre Hopkins back last week. I would have to think that they throw the ball more this time, yeah. you know, in what should be a more challenging game situation than it was against Chicago last week, especially on a wet day. DeAndre Hopkins, I would assume that he would play more this week in a more challenging game, in a less wet game. So I think we'll get more from Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins on that side. It's also worth remembering, though, that before the injury, Kyler Murray was running less than he was last season. So we should probably expect less rushing production than we got last week when he scored twice. No, that, that, that was my, like, I, I don't think we can take much away from that game. Cause like you said, it was you know, crappy weather. Arizona only threw it 15 times, but, but Murray set season highs with 10 carries season high with 59 rushing yards, season high, two rushing touchdowns. Um, so at the least the ankle is not a concern going forward and you know maybe they're ready to use him more as a rusher as we you know get down the stretch here and move closer to the playoffs we'll see I mean I think either way Murray's back to being a top five quarterback yeah the only takeaway we really need to have with him is that he's good to go if they're running him 10 times the ankle's not a concern the Cardinals also on Thursday designated Chase Edmonds to return from IR we'll watch to make sure that he's added to the active roster because that's not the same thing designating him to Mm -hmm. return opens the three-week window for practicing, and then they have to decide at some point in there whether to activate him. So he still has to be put onto the active roster, but Cliff Kingsbury said last week that he expected to be able to do that this week. 
You know, the deadline for a Sunday game is Saturday at 4 p.m. Is the deadline for the Cardinals Sunday at 4 p.m. because of the Monday night game? Probably. Yeah, so, I mean, we might not know for sure that Evans is going to play, you know, when their Sunday games kick off. I mean, we also don't know how big a role he's going to play, in his, you know, in his first game coming off the high ankle sprain. Um, you know, the, he was basically splitting carries with James Conner before the ankle injury and, you know, seeing most of the passing game work. I don't know, Con- Conner played well in Chase Evans' absence. So I, w- I would not be surprised if, at least for this week, Evans is kind of eased in. Um, so I, I guess I would try not to use Adams, especially, you know, with the fact that we might not even know he's playing until Sunday. And I do think Connor is still like an RB two, even if Edmonds um, comes back this week and, you know, he's, he's an RB one if Edmonds remains out. Yeah. I might just, if I have James Connor and I'm deciding between him and the Vikings tonight, I think I would hold off and, and wait and play Connor because mm-hmm. at worst he's splitting the backfield with chase Edmonds in his first game back. And there's the chance that mm-hmm. Edmonds is not ready to play and we're still getting workhorse James mm-hmm. Connor. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely have Connor in over Alex Madison. Um, you know, Connor versus cook would, would be a tough call with just, you know, so many moving parts on both sides. Yeah. Anything else from that Cardinal side? Nope. That's going to do it for this week 14 preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com Now you can see our full week 14 rankings to help finalize your lineup decisions. Make sure to check all the tabs, tools, Intel teams, and boards, lots of tools on the website to help you set your lineups. Uh, if you still have any burning questions for us, you can also find us in the free Draft Sharks Discord. You can find the link to join us there in the description for this podcast. For Jared Smola and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shaw saying thanks so much for swimming with us. <laughs>